0: You're listening to a podcast from Victory. Jesus interprets the law of retribution. Learn more about non-retaliation in week 7 of our series, Redefined. If you have your Bibles with you, turn it to Matthew 5. We're going to look at verse 38 down to verse 42. Very short verse today. It's actually very, it's a hard teaching, but it's very practical. So I want you to have an open heart and an open mind. And I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, how can I apply this in my life as we go through the verses? Okay. Matthew five thirty-eight. It says there, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Punishment that, is fit, that fits the offense. Context again. Jesus was on the mountaintop with His disciples. This was a message that he won't preach down the mountain because it would be very offensive. And people who don't believe in Jesus won't have any idea what he's talking about. So this was for a select few people who are followers of Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you consider yourself a Christian, this message is for you. And this message might not make sense outside the walls of the church or outside or a person who doesn't have faith in Christ, but it should make a lot of sense for somebody who believes in Jesus and who follows Jesus. Now, Jesus quotes an Old Testament law. He says, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, punishment that fits the offense. You see, in the past, in the Old Testament times, the word eye for an eye, tooth for tooth was mentioned, I think, three times in the Old Testament. This was a common practice and a law that was made because in the Old Testament, what happened was if I committed a, an offense, right? Example, I punched Jared and he, I broke two of his front teeth, the punishment would be he can punch me also so that my two front teeth would fall down. That's why eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You kick my dog, I'll kick your dog. You burn my house, I'll burn your house. That was justice, right? They made the law in the Old Testament not us like, Grabe naman, sobra, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. In fact, this was to help the people because a lot of people, in, instead of an eye for an eye, it's an eye for a wife. It's a dog for a house. Oh, that's unfair. It should be an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. So, they made the law in the Old Testament. Here's an example, Leviticus 24, verse 19. Anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. So this was made to protect the people. But Jesus had another thing. When He was on the mountaintop, what He was saying is, Is this actually working? We've got to look at this old law that was made to guide and protect the people. In the message version, verse 38 says, there's another old saying that deserves a second look. Eye for nigh, tooth for tooth. Is that going to get us anywhere? You know, this is a very familiar thought today. With all the laws of the land, with all of the laws sa how come there is still wickedness, violence, crime, murder, drugs, every day? Is this actually getting us anywhere? What Jesus was pertaining was even with all the laws that man would make, if the heart is not transformed, the change would be short-term. It will not last long. Bakit hindi naman na ministera ng puso eh. hindi Hindi managbago, eh. right? Natakot lang. After a few months, hindi na ulit sila matatakot, and they go back to their old ways. And that's why the scripture makes a lot of sense when Jesus was saying, you know what, is this really going anywhere? And then he makes his next pitch in verse 39. He says then, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person who is an evil person. Someone who insults you or violates your right. But whoever, and here's the famous verse that has often been misquoted, whoever slaps you on the right cheek, give him also the other one. Turn the other toward Him also. Or, what that means is, simply ignore insignificant insults or trivial losses, and do not bother to retaliate. Maintain your dignity, your self-respect, and your poise. What was Jesus saying? Now, the context of this, and, and a lot of times this is misquoted, and this is an excuse for a lot of people saying, Diba, if I snap you, turn the other cheek. Oh, give me the other one, para pantay. And we misquote it because we don't understand the cultural context of the verse. And we take it literally. Oh, if somebody punches me, I'll let him punch the other one. What do you call a person who does that? Okay. I won't say, okay? Y- you say, alright? But that wasn't the context. Here's the context of verse 39. Verse 39, Jesus was saying, I tell you of an evil person, somebody who insults you or violates your right. The context was an insult. In insulto ka? Now, in the Old Testament in the New Testament, slapping someone using the backhand was one of the greatest insults of all time. You can do anything, touch my eyebrows, but don't slap me on the cheek. It was when I slap you in public, it is attacking your very dignity. You are less of a human being. Look, so slaves would receive such slapping. And people who who would have high position, would slap people, it was to say, this person has no dignity. He deserves this. It was on the context of an insult and violating a right. This is not an excuse for Christians. Okay? Sinaksak mo ako dito? Dito na rin. No, no, no. Okay? The Bible has a lot of verses on self-defense. And if you really love someone, you will run away from harm and not turn the other cheek. It was an insult because there was meaning behind it. As I insult you, I, I in, in insult you with a slap on the cheek. Jesus was saying, you know what? That's a trivial, that's insignificant insult. Turn the other cheek. Begay mo pa isa. It won't change you a bit. Your dignity is already full and whole. No matter how many slaps you get every day, it doesn't matter. Because... Your dignity is now based on me, not based on what people are saying. This was a radical teaching for the people who were listening on the mountain top. What? If he me, and that's why in the amplified version it says, simply ignore insignificant insults or trivial losses and do not bother to retaliate. Now I know for some of us we wrestle. Mahirap yan eh. Kasi context natin, hindi naman tayo nasasampal. do yung iba sa inyong muka nasasampal. Diba? But for most of us, the context is, is not somebody slapping us, but we feel our dignity has been attacked. Whether it's through gossips, whether it's through fake things that were said about us, or something, a person blackmailed us, it was an attack on our dignity. And when we feel that we're being attacked, what is the human tendency? nalaba na Ay proprove ko, maliyan, laban, right? Because I've been attacked. My dignity has been attacked. Jesus was saying, don't retaliate. Maintain your dignity. Your dignity is whole. Have self-respect. Poise. Poise ka lang. Pah. Mm. Yeah, parang poise. Waka magwa wala? Waka hysterical. Okay lang yan. Right? And so why would Jesus say such a thing and why is this a big deal? Why make this an issue that now it's being taught on Matthew 5 on the mountain top with the disciples? I'll tell you why. Now in their context and in our Asian context, generally when somebody slaps you and you lose your dignity, our culture is based on a shame-based culture. Big sa atin ang hiya. Shame, I lose face. That's why we have a lot of Filipino terms and a lot of Chinese terms, Thai terms, Asian terms about losing face and Middle East the same way, losing face. Ano ko? Itong problema atin na lang, Wag mong pagsabi. Why? Shame. Many women who have been raped and sexually assaulted, what do they do? They keep silent. Even though they're the victims, they're quiet. Why? We live in a shame-based culture you don't want to talk about it. So we hide it. And throughout generations of a lot of Asians and Filipinos, it's the same. Even among Chinese. Very big on shame. Kaya ang Chinese, kung may sakit, huwag mong dalawin. Yeah. Ayaw magpadalaw, bakit? Nakakaya. I don't want them to see me at this state. I want them to see me healthy. There's this shame that we have. And that's why most of our Holy Week, If you look at our practices as Christians and as Catholics, it's shame-based, right? I flagellate myself. Why? Because of the shame that I brought to the name of Christ. How can I repay it? It's a shame-based culture. And for somebody to slap me and somebody to attack my dignity, I lose face. It's an issue. That's why when business is closed down among Asians, what do they do? The person gets depressed. Locks himself in a door. Because there's a lot of shame. I lose my dignity. Jesus addressed this. And He was saying, but for a Christian, it's okay for somebody to slap you and your dignity to be attacked. In fact, go a little bit further. Give him the other cheek. Why? Look at Romans 10 verse 9 to 11. Romans 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, It is with your heart that you believe and with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Jesus was saying, Apostle Paul was saying, if you are a Christian, if you confess Jesus is Lord, here's what happened. Verse 11. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to what? To shame. Jesus took away my shame. That's why our confidence is unashamed. That's why Adam and Eve, they were naked and unashamed, but when they ate the fruit, they found out they were naked and hid themselves because they were what? Ashamed. But the first action of Jesus was not to punish them, but to call them up. Adam, where are you? Sanga. But Matago kami. You see, shame was even mentioned in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. Because it is something all of us in this room, especially as Asians, we go through this. How shame affects all of us. And that's why there's hidden sins. That's why there are family secrets that you don't want anybody to know. Shame. Jesus was saying, no, I took your shame away. Hebrews 12.2. Jesus is the founder and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When Jesus died on the cross, you know He took our shame by being shame Himself. He was crucified naked for everyone to see. His beard was was taken out, spit on His face. Ultimate disrespect in Middle Eastern culture, it was all shame. That's why people were mocking him. Why? It is shameful to even have your beard taken out." Jesus was saying in Hebrews 12:2, "You fix your eyes on me because I took away your shame. I experienced public humiliation so that I could take away your shame. So Jesus dealt with our shame. So that he could say to the disciples, Now you can turn the other cheek. It's okay. You're complete, you're whole, your dignity intact, even if somebody slaps you in the face. Verse 40. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also, for the Lord repays the offender. What does this mean? Okay. Again, let me share to you context. It makes everything different. In the New Testament times. Example, I, I, put, uh, I, I brought Francis to court because I felt like he did something to me. When I win the case, and I say, I want his shirt. And if I win, I get his cloak. And I won the case, what I need to do is, Francis now gives me his shirt, and he gives me his coat, or cloak. But, because the cloak was something that is so ingrained in the culture... Every night, I have to return the cloak to Francis. And the next morning, kasi kailangan niya yung pantulog yung cloak. So I need to return it to him. And then, in the morning, I'll get it again from him. Crazy law. Okay? In the New Testament. What Jesus now was saying to the disciples, now, if they won the case, because they cheated on the case, don't only give your shirt, give the cloak. Don't don't even ask for it at nighttime. Bigay mo na. Sa kanya na yan. Dilaw naman na yung... Sa na yan. na yan. No, no. What Jesus was saying is, don't make a big deal about you getting the cloak again at night. Just give it to Him. This is how you deal with people who persecute you. They're asking for your shirt. Give them even your coat. And don't even ask for it at nighttime give it to them already. It doesn't matter. Now, for the disciples listening to this, uh, why would I do that? That's why this was taught on the mountaintop. Because Jesus was redefining it for them. Not only should you be ready to lose your dignity, even your clothing. Be ready. Because, why? If you look at verse 19, those are insignificant, what? Insults and trivial loss. Why would the Bible say it's insignificant and trivial? Why? Because it was comparing it to something else. Christ has given us something far more important and far more significant that my dignity is worth nothing compared to what Christ has given me. My clothing and my cloak is nothing compared to what Christ has given me. In fact, He will repay the offender. That's why Jesus was saying, you can actually do this. Turn the other cheek. Now, if in our hearts, we're still affected with insults, where our dignity is attacked, and I know you experienced that. Classic example. Example post ka sa Facebook ganda ng damit mo inayos mo talaga nag-makeup ka pa yeah. 383 likes 87 comments ganda ganda hot beautiful pero may isa doon baduy <laughs> but affected? doon sa isa ni report mo pa sa Facebook <laughs> na i-ban siya bakit thank sa saming patuwi ko my dignity has been attacked. This is my Facebook thread. Di This is actually a big question mark. and, and I'm talking to myself, well, not, not that I put a lot of selfies on. Face. I don 't do selfies. By the way, okay, I'm a guy. I don't do selfies. But, but how come I, you feel that way, or I feel that way? I have 300 positive comments, but how come that one stinks? How come it is still significant for me, even though it doesn't really change my life? Wala naman magbabago pag sinabi niyang baduy ako. Baka nga, isa lang yun tama. At isha yung true friend na nagsabi ng totoo. Pero ba affected? And I'm giving you a light example. Of course, you have far worse things said to you like super baduy, okay? So mapapatanong ka rin Lord, bakit may ganito pa ako? Yung feeling ko na attack yung dignity ko. Tapos super affected ako, hindi ako matulog. Maybe because that is still significant for you that you think what Christ did, paying and taking away your shame is less significant than a comment, a negative one or an attack on your dignity or an attack on your personhood that you feel like I need to defend and I can't sleep. And I feel stressed out because of this. So he says, give your cloak. Then verse 41, and whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Another version, when a soldier tells you, not only one mile, but two miles, go the extra mile. Now in contract, you said one mile, you forced me, I even don't like to do this. But I have to carry all your equipments to go one mile, and after one mile, you tell me to go two miles. The Lord is saying, "Go the extra mile." What Jesus was addressing is that you will also lose your liberties. May mga bagay sa buhay, because Christiano, kana at nandito ka at nakikinig ka Lord, and that's why you're here today. It's because you have to be ready to lose some of your freedom and liberties because you're a believer. It means your standard is going to be different from the world. You have to go the extra mile in purity and holiness. Example: may película, alam mong R. may sexual exposure. Nasa utak mo. <laughs> 40 na ako. Ano ba yan? EMTRCB ko pa ba ko? Right? And you feel like, okay lang yan. 50 shades of blue, okay na yan. Right? P-Facebook mo ba na nanonood ka? First of all, you've lost your liberty to watch films that don't glorify God. That's a sacrifice compared to what? True freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I've been set free from the bondages of sin. What the world would say, pag di mo to pinanood, yung throne of games na yan, kulang buhay mo, feeling mo parang, as a Christian, you lose some of your liberties. Mainit ulo mo, you lose your liberty to shout and curse. You go the extra mile. I'm not being legalistic. I'm being Christian. I'm being a pastor, telling the church today, stop using grace to excuse yourself from a higher standard of living. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. I'm not. I've made mistakes. But to accept it as such that it's okay because of the grace, it's not. You have to embrace something. You've lost your liberty and your freedom in some areas of life. You just have to accept it. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Because Jesus gave me true freedom, I actually now have true freedom to lose my face. Hit me, baby, one more time. It's okay. You know, there are areas in my life where I can say, I'm no longer insulted. It is so insignificant. I don't care what you comment about me. And that's the prayer that you'll come to a point of your life. Those are insignificant insults. Those are trivial losses compared to what God is in store for me. But I know also, even as your pastor, there are still areas of my life I feel insulted, and that's why I go to the Lord and I wrestle with the Lord. Bakit pa na insulted doon sa? But masayang significant sa akin, Lord, anong inie expose mo pa ko? What are you trying to say to me? Why do I still feel this way when you've said in your Word those are insignificant? Why is it still so significant in my life? And I believe it's very healthy for everyone to go through that and wrestle with that so that you can surrender to the Lord. I have the freedom to lose because Christ has won for me. Okay, lang matalo sa buhay. That's true freedom. Diba, alam yung gusto lagi manalo sa buhay. Dapat laging panalo, laging panalo, laging panalo. Makabanga, okay lang, basta manalo. Okay lang talagang matalo minsan. Tulad China, natalo sa Philippines, sa FIBA. Okay lang yun. Right? It's okay to lose. Why? Because God has given you true freedom. So I'm free to lose at times. I'm free to lose my face in the standards of the world. Verse 42. Give to him who asks of you. And do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Now, what does this mean? Jesus was saying if somebody asks for money, you give him money. Of course, supporting biblical verses would say give only to someone who is legitimately in need. Okay? If he asks for money, it's a legitimate need. Be ready to give. Be ready to lose even property and money. Because I've given you everything. Money should not be your master. You should master it. Master it when I say give it away. You can actually give it away because you are the master of the money that I've given you. It doesn't hold you. You hold it. And you can give it away when, when need be. Losing my money. Because everything I have, God has given me. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jackie was here and he brought some of his leaders from our Every Nation Shaman Church. One of those leaders, I spent around four, four days with them. Uh, every day, talking with them. One of their leaders is... Well, I'll name him Peter. That's not his real name. But Peter is a businessman. His goal was to be so rich, he actually reached the goal. He's a very rich guy. Owns a house in China, which is very expensive, by the way. Not a condo, a house in China. But during our conversation, he felt like he was being called to become a pastor. All right. So I say, oh, okay, that's good. Now, I was invited to be part of the small gathering, well, it's a big gathering of Chinese delegates who came here last Unashamed Conference. And there were close to 250 Chinese people there from different parts of China. One part part of the program was uh, a call for the people who want to go into full-time ministry as a career. Out of the 250, 30-plus came forward. All of them were crying. And I knew why they were crying. I was crying. Because I knew the context. The context for them is different from our context. Pag ngayon nagpatawag ako sino sa dito gusto niyo maging pastor, maging campus missionary, iwa nyo trabaho nyo, dito kayo. Maybe some of you would come. Maybe you won't cry because the sacrifice won't be much. Kasi wala kang trabaho ngayon kaya gusto mong pastor. Or, parang masarap yan. Parang okay naman sila. Masaya naman sila. Hindi pumapayat. Sampung taon na. But their context is different. Their context is, if you become a pastor, sorry, if you become a Christian, if the government finds out you're a Christian, they will ask you to leave the Communist Party. You have to sign the document which means you'll never get any high-paying job. All you get are menial jobs, desk work, but you'll never be promoted. You have no benefits. You have no help from the government because you chose to leave the Communist Party. So when 30 people came forward, 30 plus people came forward, that was number one in my mind. They're ready to let go of their allegiance to the Communist Party. Number two, they're willing to surrender their jobs. Some of the people who came there were business people, very rich guys. Some were professors in prestigious universities, willing to let go of the years of doctorate, postdoctorate studies to become a missionary. Willing to let go of maybe on a peso basis 150,000, 200,000 peso job for maybe a 20,000, 25,000 25, peso salary as a pastor in China. That's why I know they were crying. So I saw Peter, who I had coffee with for the past four days. He went up, took a picture. I said, Peter, I, after the meeting, Peter, I saw you went up. I have evidence. So... Will you really be a? You really want to be a pastor? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now I know his background now because he was telling me his business, big business, and the house. So I told him. So now I was thinking like a Chinese. So Peter, uh, what that means is you're now strategically doing something with your company by hiring good managers to handle it, so that you can do church work. He said, "No, no, no." He says. Pastor Jackie told us already if we're going to be pastors, we have to leave our businesses and focus full time doing kingdom work. So I was, I didn't see that. So, follow up question again, what, what does your wife think about it? My wife wants me to be a pastor. And the wife is a professor. In a prestigious university being paid really high in China. Both of them are saying, we're willing to let go. So we have to go to Jackie and tell Jackie, because we saw all his leaders, Jackie, what did you do to, to convince them to leave their business, to leave millions of China money to be in ministry? Jackie told us something very simple. He said, because they're convinced of the gospel. They're convinced of what Christ did for them. I did nothing but to explain to them the power of the gospel. How many of us, because of a birthday party, we won't go to church? When we know on the other side of the planet, in a persecuted church, they have to leave the communist party to be a Christian. It's amazing when you understand what Christ was saying in Matthew 5. For people to give off everything that they've worked for, for the work of Christ. I'm not talking about joining a victory group. I hope we're clear. This was entry point to becoming a Christian in China. No wonder there are more Christians now in China than anywhere else in the world. In the midst of pastors being killed and jailed, millions of people are getting saved every year in China because they knew the commitment. During the worship time, in our meeting with the Chinese leaders, the songs they were singing were not songs like Fill Me Up, I Love You Lord, You Love Me, We're a Happy Family. It wasn't. It wasn't the chummy, sweet worship songs that a lot of people would sing. The songs were, it was in Chinese. So I was trying to catch up. I, I knew some of the words, 30%. But it couldn't. But good thing there was an English translation. I'll translate. I'll not, not sing, okay? I'll translate to you. Just, okay, not word for word, the songs they were singing. Here were the songs. And as they were singing this, all hands were raised. They were shouting out loud because now they can sing out loud here in Manila. The song was, Lord Jesus we love you so much. Lord Jesus, your great love has changed us. Now we're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to give everything. We're willing to die. For the church to make a difference, it has to be convinced of the power of Christ and what Christ can do. If only we get Matthew 5 38 to 42 and see the very heart, we will make a difference in this world. More than what we're doing now. If everybody just gets, would get this and have a revelation, grab it all. For me to let go anytime, I'm not saying let go of your business or let go of whatever or give millions away but get the Spirit behind it if God tells you to. Are you ready? If God tells you, give this millions of pesos away for the kingdom of God. Lord, oh Lord. Or do we get the very Spirit that if somebody would ask of you, I can actually give because I have everything that I need. Somebody maligns me and attacks my dignity because of my faith. Or even because of who I am? Does it really stress me out? Or I could say... Here, one more. You missed this. Matthew 6 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break it and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The very heart of Matthew 5:38 to 42, was just Jesus was going back to their heart and not to the law. He was going to the Spirit. This is what it means. When somebody attacks you, do not overcome. be overcome by evil, but you overcome, overcome evil with good. Why? Because I've saved you. Because you're a Christian. You can do it. You can lose faith. It doesn't matter because you understand. One of my favorite stories, it's a movie, it's a play, it's the story of Lémy Serab, And it's a story of Jean Valjean, not Jean-Claude Van Jaan. It's not, okay? Jean Valjean was a prisoner. Stole a few loaves of bread, I think. And he was imprisoned. And after serving time, there was a scene in the early parts of the movie where he meets a bishop and he was so hungry that the bishop fed him food. But that night, he did something stupid. He stole the silverwares of the bishop and then went out. The next day, he got caught. And so, he was brought back to the bishop. And I believe that scene was the turning point, is the reason why Lamus is Lamus. because of this scene. It redefined the whole play for the next two more hours because of this scene. And I want you to watch this. I want you to see a reflection of what Christ did for us. That's why God, Jesus commanded us, you can turn the other cheek. Because I did the same thing to you. I want you to watch this. Is anybody there? You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand, the bishop? Madam, you know, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. And don't forget. Don't ever forget. powerful that was his turning point from that time on everything was insignificant all he wanted to do was to help people all he wanted to do was redeem the life that he lost because his evil was overcome with something that is good now application for our message today you have four assignments Get ready to lose your what? Number one, lose your dignity. Today, your dignity is already complete. When the world attacks your dignity, get ready to lose it. It's okay. Don't fight. Don't lose self-respect. Don't retaliate. Poise. Get ready to lose your dignity. Second, get ready to lose your rights. Third, your liberty for your property or your money. Why? Because in Christ, we have our dignity restored. Because of what Christ did for us, we have eternal rights. John 1.12 Yet to all who receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave them the right to become children of God. You're now people of God. In Christ, we have true liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And lastly, heavenly property. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Today, Jesus redefined to us something that is very important in our lives. Shame, change to honor, beauty for ashes, strength for fear, gladness for mourning. This is God's business. This is what He does. That's why I love and worship our God. Because He's always in the business of giving us something far more significant and far more valuable than the world. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, because your love is more than enough. Lord, even as we come before you today, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would come and assess, Lord, the things that we need to give up and surrender to you. Our dignity, our rights, our liberty, even our money. Lord, whatever is holding us today, Lord, I pray that it would be released. Lord, we put it into Your hands. We put our lives into Your hands. Lord, I pray today that we would receive and accept a different standard from the world. That we would love You and give glory to Your name in everything. Lord, salamat sa mo for us, Lord. Thank You for taking away our shame, giving us honor. The cross for our sin. Today I'm free. Today, Lord, I could declare that my life is in your hands. Thank you for listening to this message. For more messages like these from other Victory Centers, please visit victory.org.ph slash resources slash podcasts.